Well, guys, it's awesome to be here with you this morning. Um, my name is Garrett. Uh, my family and I have been with Sanctuary for just a little while now, close to about nine or ten years. And I'm excited that we as a church have the ability to open God's Word, to learn and to understand more about what God has for us today. And this morning, Pastor Rod, he's away, but he's had a great opportunity to spend time with his family, time with his children, and he's able to get some rest. I've known Pastor Rod since I was a little guy in his dental office chair, and he's been a spiritual father to me, and I'm so thankful for that man. But today, we're going to be unpacking a portion of Scripture out of Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. If you guys have your Bibles or your phones, you can open those up to Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. I'm going to be reading out of the New King James Version. If you guys have a different version, I encourage you still open up. The wording may look a little bit different, but the the meaning is the same. And today's message is entitled, Loving the Poor. Loving the Poor. I'm going to go ahead and uh, share a quick prayer this morning, and then we'll dive into the scripture today. So we'll bow our heads. Lord Jesus, here we are, your church, your body. God, ready to hear from you this morning, Lord. God, I thank you for this opportunity. I thank you for this church. Thank you for your church abroad. God, I ask and pray, Holy Spirit, that you would move in a radical way in this place this morning. Prepare our hearts to receive what it is that you would have us to receive this morning from your word. God, we love you. We give you the glory. We give you all the honor in your mighty, precious name. Amen. So everyone here has most likely heard of the term mission statement. A mission statement is something that defines what something is, It defines why it exists, and it also defines what its reason for being is. Your favorite company, your favorite uh, business will most likely have something called a mission statement. There's also something called a personal mission statement. A personal mission statement embodies these three things, but it all funnels down to one thing, and it's what is your purpose? What is your individual purpose? This morning, we're going to be reading a portion of Scripture about Jesus' public declaration that he makes in his hometown of Nazareth. And when he makes this public declaration, Jesus is identifying his purpose. He's first off identifying what he was coming to do, who he was, and he was also saying what he would, the people that he would be coming for to minister to. Secondly, this public declaration is foundational to who we are as a body of Christ. It's foundational to our purpose. It's foundational to those who we are called to. Before we dive into Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21, I just want to bring us up to speed. There's been some significant events that have taken place leading up to what we're unpacking today. First off, Jesus, in Luke chapter 4, after his baptism in the Jordan River, where he's baptized by John the Baptist, After the point in time where he's entering into the wilderness for a 40-day period, Jesus exits and he begins going to a region called Galilee, and Jesus begins preaching in the synagogues of Galilee. Luke 4 verse 14 tells us that Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out throughout all the surrounding region. He taught in the synagogues, and he was glorified by all. But the exciting thing is some, at some point in time, scholars believe close to about a year after the baptism of Jesus, Jesus goes home. He goes to his hometown of Nazareth. And it's here that Jesus would be making a public declaration about his purpose. On this day, 
Jesus enters into the synagogue. And I want to just go through, I want to go ahead and just go back for a moment here um, and read out loud Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. And again, this is a portion of scripture out of Luke chapter 4, verse 16 to 21. And it reads that he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the the recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book And he gave it back to the attendant. And he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So Jesus, going back to verse 16, Jesus enters into his hometown of Nazareth and he enters into the synagogue And Jesus, this would have been the same synagogue that Jesus most likely as a young boy would have grown up, as a teenager he would have grown up, and as a young adult, and as an adult, Jesus would have grown up within. This is the same synagogue where Jesus most likely would have spent his Sabbaths. The Sabbaths, what they would do is they would read a portion of scripture from the Old Testament prophet. They would also read from the law, the first five books of the Bible. And on this day also, it's significant because the synagogue was an extremely important part of Jewish culture. It is today also. The synagogue is a place, again, within the Jewish community where people would come and they would assemble. But on this day, it's different because Jesus enters into the synagogue and he knew those people in attendance and the people in attendance would also have known Jesus. This day is exciting because this is actually the day that Jesus was considered a guest of honor. He would be the one to read from the Old, prophet, uh, the Old Testament prophet Isaiah. And we'll go ahead and continue into Luke 4, verse 17. And it reads, And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he opened the book, he found the place where it was written. So Jesus, being at the front of the synagogue, would have been handed a scroll And within the scroll would have been the portion of scripture out of Isaiah, which he opens to, and he points to Isaiah chapter 61. Isaiah 61 is a significant portion of scripture, and Jesus is reading this area in the scroll. And keep in mind too, church, that this portion, Isaiah, the book of Isaiah was written 700 years prior to the birth of Christ. Jesus is reading the first verse, and the first portion out of the second verse. And this specific scripture is extremely important because it points to the coming of the Messiah. It points to Jesus. It points to who Jesus was. It points to what he would do. It points to those that he would come for. Luke 4 verse 18, as we continue reading, reads that the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. So the significant event that we spoke about in the beginning, Jesus is in the Jordan River being baptized by John the Baptist. At the point of Jesus' baptism, 
The gospel according to Luke says that heaven opened up and the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus in bodily form like a dove. Jesus was anointed by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God was a fundamental part, was the fundamental part to the ministry of Jesus. Jesus now being empowered by the Holy Spirit has been given the assignment to carry out and to go forth and to carry out the plan of redemption that God the Father had put in place before the beginning of the world. Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus is the anointed one. And remember too, through this portion of scripture, Jesus talks about the poor. Jesus came to preach the good news to the poor. So who are the poor? The poor, according to the text in Hebrew, the the original definition are those who are afflicted, the meek, the humble, the lowly. You don't have to look very far to find the poor. We see this growing, um, the growing needs around us within our local communities. We also, on May 28th, a group of people from Sanctuary Church came from this church and went down to Mexico for what's called a loft house build. The loft house build is a great way for the church to be involved and to be the hands and feet of Christ. And what happens is members from this church go down to Mexico. We meet at a place in Ensenada. And we basically spend the weekend down there putting up a home for a family out of the local community of Ensenada that doesn't have a home. So the rendezvous point in, after we got across the border was a, a place in Ensenada called Pueblos Tacos. So what happens is I remember driving in the truck with my neighbor, and I remember we arrived to the, tacos, the taco place. And dirt roads, there's dogs running around all over the place. It was just kind of a, it, it, kind of a new world to us. It opened our eyes. We open the doors to the car, and you can just smell the sweet aroma of, like, carne asada tacos. It's it's overbearing. It's pungent. You can smell it surrounding you. It's even in the car when you leave. So I remember we get out, and we're sitting there, and all of a sudden, about a group of 10 to 15 of us are sitting there in that place, and these tacos just start coming out, and we're, we're able to partake and fellowship. It's a great time. And I'm sitting across the way from a young lady who came with us on the trip. And she shares her story with me. And she says, Garrett, I live two blocks away from this taco stand. She says, I grew up two blocks away. I remember as a little girl walking past this taco stand. And I was so poor that I remember our siblings and I had to go sneak into the agricultural fields at night to be able to pick produce and to feed ourselves. Because the mother was in the hospital and she suffered from a stroke. They had no way to make ends meet. They had no way to provide for themselves. So what happens is she's sharing the story with me. She says, I remember walking across this area, watching the tourists, enjoying their tacos, enjoying their time together. And she says, I remember thinking as a little girl, one day I'll be able to have enough money to get food, to buy a taco from this place. And she goes, and here I am. She goes, I bought all the tacos here. She goes, it's like endless. You guys eat, let's fellowship, let's have some good time. And she says, I remember, it's praise God, it's a crazy story. But I remember this happening. She goes, and not only that, Garrett, she goes, I'm back in the place that I grew up and I'm able to bless the people in my community this weekend with a house. Edgar, Marisol, and um, their son Isaac received a house that weekend. And so the story of this young lady growing up is significant That's the heart of Christ. Christ provided hope to the poor, but he did so much more than that in the fact that he provided a means of salvation to the poor. And as we go through um, 
what it looks like. We, all throughout the New Testament, we find examples of Jesus loving on the poor. We find examples of Jesus reaching out to the people in the back of society. Luke 4 verse 18 will continue with the story. Luke 4 verse 18 reads that he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives. So Jesus is also stating here that he has come to heal the brokenhearted. Think about heartbreak and what heartache looks like today. Heartache and heartbreak is often a byproduct of your disappointments, your discouragements, your sufferings, and your loss. It doesn't end there. The list is pretty extensive. It continues. But these are just some examples of what heartache looks like. But Jesus has come. Jesus is saying that I have come. He has come to heal the brokenness within your life. He has come to heal and to bring amending of the brokenness within the heart that is caused by the issue of sin. And it's incredible to think about, too, because some practical examples may look like this. People probably came in today with heavy hearts. Maybe heavy hearts are created by division in the workplace right now. Maybe a heavy heart could look like something that's related to a job loss, financial insecurity, financial instability. Maybe... It's a byproduct of a child who's backslidden and who's gone down the prodigal road and your heart breaks and aches for that child because you know the direction that they're going is a direction that will not end well. Our heart aches for that. But the promise in Psalm 147 verse 3 reads that he heals the brokenhearted. He has come to mend our wounds. Jesus is saying that it doesn't just stop with the poor. I'm continuing. I'm going after your broken heart. I want to bring healing. I want to bring wholeness. I want to bring restoration to you. Jesus, as we continue reading, has also come to proclaim liberty to the captives. Who are the captives that Jesus is referring to? The captives relate to those who were in bondage to sin. It's not just the physical sense, it's the spiritual sense. Those who are in bondage to sin. So think about this. As a Christ follower, before you came to Christ, you were in a captive state. You were in a captive state. But at the moment of your surrendering of your heart, at the moment that you allowed Christ to come within you, there's a justification that takes place. And now you are seen right in the eyes of Christ, and the bondage of sin and the bondage of death can no longer hold you because you have been liberated from your captive state. Jesus is saying, it doesn't just mean this in a simple way. I'm going deeper. Your sin is the issue. I've come to separate you and to release you from your captive state. Jesus came to liberate us as a whole from the sin issue and the captive state that we live in. What happened is that Jesus has bridged this gap. At the point in time where Adam's sin, a gap was established, fellowship was broken, and it was only Jesus that could bridge the gap from us to him. And the intermediary, as Jesus was, happened through the power of the cross. The perfect man, Jesus, laid down his perfect life at the hands of his accusers so that you and I had a way to enter in to his salvation. Romans 5 verse 8 says it great. It reads, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Someone once said that God loves us just, I'm sorry, God loves us just the way we are, but he loves us too much to leave us that way. He loves us too much to leave us that way. Luke 4 verse 18 continues. 
and he's provided recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed. So guys, think about this. This is important. Spiritual blindness and spiritual oppression work in tandem with each other. They work in unison with one another. Paul's story in the ninth chapter of Acts paints a beautiful picture of what this looks like in terms of being liberated from the oppressive state that's in his cause in the life of a man who is on a quest to arrest Christians and to put Christians on trial and where Christians would most likely face death. But it also, looks, it also shows us what it looks like when the recovery of sight to the blind in a physical sense and also in a spiritual sense takes place. So I want to share a quick story with you about Saul in Acts chapter 9. Saul is a pre-conversion name of the man Paul. So Paul, I'm sorry, Saul was influenced by the demonic plan of Satan. He was on a madman mission to arrest as many Christians as he could in Damascus. The end result for these Christians that were arrested, they would have been uh, taken over to Jerusalem. They would have faced trial and most likely would have ended with a death sentence. In Acts 9, Paul is on his way to Damascus with his mob. He's on horseback. He's headed to Damascus with a mission, with a focus to arrest as many Christians as he can. On that point in time where, where Saul is on his way to Damascus, it says that Saul is on his way on the road to Damascus, and all of a sudden, a light surrounds him. Saul falls on his face. The men on the horses are there, but they're watching this whole thing, and they're just surprised because they're not hearing or seeing what Saul's seeing. And Saul falls to the ground, and he hears a voice in the light, and the, and the voice is saying this, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This is the voice of Jesus. Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? And the Lord, and I'm sorry, Saul says, Lord, who are you? He recognizes him, and the Lord says, I am Jesus. I am the one that you're persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So think about Saul's spiritual state. He was blinded. The veil was over the eyes of Saul. And not just that, again, he was in an oppressive state to his own sin. Church, I think we can all agree today that it hurts when you go against God. It hurts when you go against God. Look at the world. Look at the condition of the world that we're living in right now. As Christians right now, we look and we see what's happening around us, not just this nation, but internationally we see what's happening. And it's easy for us to get frustrated. It's easy for us to start asking questions. It's easy. And these are natural things. But one of the things that we have to remember is a veil is over the eyes of the world. They're in a state of spiritual blindness. In Acts 9.9, as the story continues, Saul has been blinded now for three days. He's at the home of a man named Judas, and God reaches out to a man named Ananias to go lay hands on Saul so that Saul can receive his sight. At the point in time of Ananias laying hands on Saul, the Bible tells us that scales fell from the eyes of Saul. And then what happens is that immediately... Once he's restored, he begins preaching in the synagogues of, uh, of that area. He begins preaching in the synagogues, and he preaches this message. He preaches that Christ is, in fact, the Son of God. Saul now, and now Paul, was able to see, not just from a physical standpoint, but also from a spiritual standpoint, the veil was removed from his eyes, and the oppressive state that was the condition of his soul 
had now been healed. It had been mended. He had been released from his captivity. As we continue to Luke 4, verse 19, it reads, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So this is important. Jesus is getting close to wrapping up this portion of Isaiah. He reads, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. So Jesus is saying, now is the time. Now is the time to receive forgiveness from sin. Now is the time to receive the love of a heavenly father. Now is the time to enter in to a real relationship. Now is the time. Don't wait. We think about the story of Jonah as Jonah was hammering on the side of a boat for a long, long time. People were coming to him and thinking he was crazy. But church, in the world today, there is a sense of urgency. We can see it right now in the world in which we live in. And one should not wait. Time is too precious. Jesus is saying that this is the time right now. And sometimes if you talk to people, they say, well, what's the big deal? 2,000 years have gone by. But remember, in the economy, in, in the time frame that Jesus sees time, it's so much different than how we see time. Jesus is saying this is the time. This also provides the acceptable year of the Lord. That terminology provides an allusion to this Jewish holiday called Jubilee. Jubilee is a significant holiday with the Jewish uh, calendar. So what happens is on the 50th year, what would take place is that if you owed a debt in, as, as a Jew, if you had sold a piece of property, a piece of property lot that belonged to your family to pay off a debt, if you had a slave in your home that was an Israelite, if you owed any sort of debt, what happened on the 50th year, that debt was forgiven. So what that means is that a new start, a new beginning would be offered to you. So think about this now in this sense. Jesus is saying, with, with, in concept of this illusion, we could say that Jesus is offering, he is offering forgiveness of spiritual debt. He's offering a new start. He's offering a new beginning. He's offering a way for us to be mended, to be healed, to receive vision. And let's see how the story ends today. Luke chapter 4, verse 20 to 21 reads, Then he closed the book, and he gave it back to the attendant, and he sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus is saying that today, this scripture is fulfilled. Not yesterday, not tomorrow, but the day that Jesus is making this public declaration in his hometown of Nazareth, that is the day of the fulfillment of this portion of scripture. It was Jesus who the Old Testament prophets spoke about. It was Jesus who met the full requirement of the demands of the law. It was Jesus who was the fulfillment. Jesus is saying now that he is the one who preaches the good news to the poor. He is the one who gives sight to the blind. He is the one who releases the captive. He is the one who proclaims liberty. And he is the one and the only one who has the power to forgive us of our sins and provide us a new start and a new life. As Jesus preached throughout Galilee, the Bible tells us that many came to faith in him. Many followed him. But unfortunately, that day in Nazareth, they turned on him. Just like Paul, or just like Saul, they were blinded. 
The spiritual 2020 wasn't there. They were blinded to their own sin. And they even went as far as trying to run Jesus off of a cliff. And we see again, just in those days, it's the same as the days in which we live. People will believe and people will choose not to believe. But I have a question for anyone here today. If you are not a Christ follower, will you allow him to be your good news? Will you allow him to give you sight? Will you allow him to release you from the captive state of sin? And if you are a Christ follower, the application for us today as a church is huge. And there's two points I just want to cover in terms of what this looks like. What is our response as a church as we go through what we read today? We're reminded as a church, first off, of our position in Christ. We're reminded of what he's done for us. We're reminded that he is the one, again, who has liberated us. He is the one who has forgiven us of our sins. And secondly, as the body of Christ, we are, God's spirit indwells within us. So isn't it incredible to know that as a body of Christ, God's spirit indwells within us. This means that we are an active extension of his hands in his feet. Like we talked about the story of Mexico. Like we'll talk in a minute about Hope City and the, and the good work that's happening there and the sowing that's happening in the community there. We have the ability to remember as a church that we can be his hands and feet. And what does that look like in application? What does that look like for us as a church? First off, I think about what's happening in terms of preaching the good news to the poor. I think about Hope City. It's 25 minutes away from us, guys. And if you have never been there, I encourage you to pray about going. To, to pray, definitely to pray, but to, I encourage you to go, to go see what's happening there, to go see the work that's happening and to see how there's a lighthouse in a community of San Bernardino off of H Street and the work that's happening in that place. It's remarkable. Lives are being changed in that place. Secondly, we can identify those in the workplace. We can identify our neighbors. We can identify those people that are heartbroken. It's not easy or it's not hard to find people, guys, in our neighborhoods, people within our local workplaces, people within our grocery store, people that are suffering right now. Maybe it's, maybe it's divorce. Maybe it's job loss. Maybe it's fear of what's happening right now with the pandemic. The list could goes on and on and on. But what it is, is we have the ability as a church with the application point of being intentional. We can reach out and we can start conversations with people. We can encourage, we can edify. And as we do that, we make commitments to meeting them for coffee once a week. Or maybe it's reaching out to give them a text. But one of the things that it's, it's so important for us as a church to hold on to is that there's work to be done. Lastly, the last application point is that we can intercede. We should be interceding daily in prayer for our leaders, our president, our vice president, our congressmen, our legislators, our senate. We also think about our family members, our friends, and those people who may not know Christ. And we go to the throne room as a church. We get as many of our friends and as many of our church family together as we can do, and we start praying. I think about the ministry here at the church that happens on the first Friday of every month. A group of, of, of pastors, a group of people in this church get together, and they meet up in that room up there on Fridays, and they pour their hearts out over the church, 
over the community, interceding on behalf of our children in our school systems. They, 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 they pray over the, the current situations happening. They pray over the needs in the church. I came to my first meeting up on that, up on that uh, tower a few months ago, and I was so blown away to, to know and to remember that there's people in this church who are interceding and crying out to God. And as a church, we continue to do that, and we want to continue to do that. Now, this morning, I want to invite up, uh, in a moment, I want to invite up Pastor Steve. I want to invite up also Nick and Kathy with Hope City. There's some exciting things happening, like we talked about, at Hope City. And we want to share just a little bit of what's happening there and what it looks like in terms of blessing the community, what this church has been committed to in terms of being able to bless others. So I want to invite Kathy and then Nick also with Hope City up, and then Pastor Steve can come up. You know, you hear often... We say that we want to be a church in this community that blesses this community. We want to be a church that has doors open for everybody so that whosoever will, let them come. But we also want to be a church that challenges people to go. Just like Garrett was talking about, God's called us to bless the people that we come in contact with. And so we thought it might be beneficial to give a a practical example of, of what that looks like. And so Kathy and Nick were invited here, and they're going to share a brief story, and then we'll close with worship. But Kathy, you've had some challenges. I understand that you've uh, lost a couple different cars because you live on a, a street with a lot of traffic. Yeah, we, we have to park on the curb, so um, the cars go too fast, and they hit a dip, and they've, I've lost two of my cars. And God's blessed us um, with the second car, and it totaled that one out. We use it to go and feed the homeless. We were homeless for like four and a half years. And we finally got housed and got the two cars. But God has blessed us because it wasn't our finances that had, had made that happen. And then it, my second car got wrecked. And we'd go out, we'd go out and because we were homeless, we chose to give back to the community. And we go out and we try to feed the homeless and we try to get donations for clothing and things for the homeless and then um the cars were messed up so we were taking them out in carts and stuff and going along the streets and stuff and then um god blessed us um with another car and they used tracy and bob to as instruments to be able to bless us so we can go out now and we can feed people. And now we're taking the family back and forth to church. And then we, we also, um, now we're doing it. Um, he has a, um, it's AOG for real, and it's anointed of, of God. And we, here, I'll let him. Yeah, AOG, a lot of people call old folks like me OG, you know, original gangster. We're supposed to be the ones people look up to. Well, God gave me an idea. I'm an AOG for real, anointed of God for real. And we go out. I play the music. I open up the mic because people have a lot to say, especially on the street. You know, they have a lot to say, but there's no way to say it. So I open up the mic, but when I get on the mic, whatever God tells me to say, I'm going to say it. And so that's what it's about. So, Kathy, you, uh, you've had a tragedy in your life about your husband. Why don't you explain that? Oh, yeah. My, my husband had, um, had, um, had passed away. Um, 
a cirrhosis of the liver. And all this was all in the same time as all of the cars were getting destroyed and stuff and and that we got housed and stuff and it was it was a big struggle for us and it was really hard. <laughs> and you you weren't able to visit your husband? Oh, no, because of the COVID they wouldn't it, they wouldn't let me go up to the hospital to visit with him and they told me that they, that the day he passes that I could go up there to be be with him and then they called me and told me that he had already passed so we couldn't even I couldn't even go up there for that either so a lot of things that happened but because of Hope City in San Bernardino they've helped us with a lot of things and you guys help also and we appreciate all what everybody does because a lot of these people need a lot of a lot of help and stuff and encouragements from people that can help do that. And so again, you know, because of the generosity of a couple in this church giving Kathy a car, she's now transporting a family to church every week, and they're out feeding the homeless with that same vehicle. So this is who we are as a church. You know, being a church in the community to bless the community isn't just a mission statement. It's a description of who we try to be and who, in fact, we are. So thank you for your generosity, and it's really affecting lives, and here's two lives that it's affected, and these two lives are affecting a whole lot of other lives. So thank you.